Hello, and welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Al Manorino. I'm the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. With me, as always, and it's so weird because I feel like I haven't said that in a while because he's been hosting like every episode, is the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, Mr. Bill Botkin. Bill, what's going on? Well, we are here on episode 78 after your uh, one of your uh, you know jaunts to the Overlook Hotel, which is a joke I make on next week's podcast, which we've already recorded. Um, we are going to be talking about a whole uh, smorgasbord, since this is Oktoberfest, of, of things. And we are bringing back a, a recent guest. He did such a great job. We're like, hell yeah, let's bring Tom Moore, senior writer on thepopbreak.com hot off the new york film festival and of course always delivering those video game reviews check out his review of death loop which is going to be dropping this week on the site we also did the hamlet reviewed the hamlet movie so close so close it was tragedy macbeth tragedy of macbeth (laughs) i I have a degree in english (laughs) i make those jokes all the time yes the denzel washington francis mcdormand joel cohen uh macbeth movie which was pretty great uh, I love that review. I was so stoked that we got that. Thank you for that. So, no and uh, check out his um, so morereviews.com where he's got links to all his reviews, including the French Dispatch, which I'm looking forward to reading um, as a big Wes Anderson fan myself. Oh, we discussed that last week with Alex Marcus. So this week, lots of stuff to talk about. We're finally going to get to No Time to Die. We're yeah. talking fandom. Al. You're you're the host. I just work you, here. You want me to? You want to take it away? Yeah, I want to start with uh, No Time to Die. Uh, we're a few weeks removed from the final Daniel Craig James Bond film, No Time to Die. And spoilers, we're going to get into some spoiler territory because it has been like three weeks since the movie came out. But man, I, there was plenty of time to die. So much uh, time to die. So much time to <laughs> die. And we'll, and we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, I want to talk uh, quickly about, you know, just, you know, your thoughts on No Time to Die, uh, especially since we have a guest. Love to hear uh, from Tom about, you know, just his overall feelings. And since we love reviewing things with, um, you know, super specific scales, they're a very serious organization here. Um, the We're going to be doing the R rating one to 10 martini glasses for Daniel Craig's final outing as 007. Uh, so, Tom, Tom what do you think? Tom has what? a very, uh, very unique relationship with James yeah. Bond. I would love for I, him to explain. I, it's, I told Bill before we started. I So this is my first James Bond movie ever. I've seen... Incredible. I, it is, I know. And it's just one of those things where I couldn't like, believe it. I couldn't believe it. I... I knew going in, I was going to be like, wow, I'm at a huge disadvantage, especially because um, this franchise or Daniel Craig's era has really done kind of sequels. Like they've all kind of um, brought like it's not like the normal like one offs of James Bond. Like this is sort of been seen as like a sequel to Spectre because of how Madeline, his relationship kind of continues into it. And uh, Ernest Blofeld coming back. I know bits and pieces of Bond, like just I've seen it like little snippets here and there of things. Uh, so I'm not like an aficionado or anything. I never claimed mm. to be. I try not to. But uh, I had a real fun time with this, honestly. I kind of went in having no expectations of it. And uh, I really came out uh, enjoying uh, just seeing Daniel Craig and seeing what James Bond was really all about. Because um, literally, I have seen nothing. Like, 
if anyone tried to even like I remember watching um or like flipping through like the uh like stars and like the you know like the movie channels or whatever and I just pop up on like this movie <laughs> the one that comes to mind is like for your eyes only which I don't remember which uh actor it is but I went into that and I just like looked at the information I'm like oh this is a James Bond movie <laughs> I didn't even like know it um I figure out which one that is I think that's Roger Moore I think it yeah it might be Roger Moore um but with this, I really just enjoyed, it really felt like the end of an era and it felt something like special in that way, seeing um, Daniel Craig really bring, I think more of an emotional take on Bond. And I feel like they really dig into that more personal feel of it with his hatred of Blofeld, his hatred of Spectre, his desperation to have Madeline be by his side. And like, um, and since like his trust is really, something that is sort of broken and like tested throughout uh this film and uh i just yeah i had a real blast with it uh trying to think of some standouts for me i really loved uh i wish there was more of anna de armas as uh her name is yeah. escaping palma yeah. paloma paloma, paloma. That's it. she was um, so good yeah that part was just so great i think it was just such a nice addition because like she's treated as sort of a uh a rookie essentially and it feels kind of like a passing of the torch type moment because they have such a good dynamic in that moment and he's almost kind of like uh giving her like uh like his tips the drinks always carrying getting a drink in between all the action that kind of stuff it's like me with podcasting i know (laughs) and it's just i think uh this movie really stands out in a way that it hits a good emotional point like throughout the Madeline and Bond relationship is such a great through line through this film because like it goes through so many ups and downs, but you really feel this like personal connection that really hits home in the end with um, how it kind of develops into, I, I found something unexpected. I'm just, I don't know if, if any of the Bonds ever dealt with uh, him having a kid. No. I, I mean, that's something itself that is just so the Only thing that came close was I think, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which was the lone George Lazenby starring mm. uh, James Bond, where he got married. Yeah. Then, spoiler alert for a movie over 50 years old, probably okay. at this point. Hey, I'm new to this, so I'm going to need it. So uh, his wife gets <laughs> murdered by Blofeld, who I okay. believe in that film was played by Telly Savalas. Ooh. Yeah, they... Um... You know, after Spectre, there was a lot of comparisons to that era of bond and they were saying that the you know they were going to potentially like repeat itself with this film and they did kind of the complete opposite which i was a big fan of but let's let's keep going with uh tom your, your feelings um i yeah i just i think this made me even as someone just going into it for the first time it made me want to go back and see daniel craig's journey through this mm-hmm. um like it made a fan out of me i think you know it just had all the great elements i think anyone would want in a movie let alone a bond movie and really uh really nailed it i think um it it's long i think maybe it's a little long a little bloated in that runtime but i think it makes the most of what it's doing because it's making such like the personal connection stand out mm-hmm. um even the personal connection he has with felix is that, felix is that yes. okay jeffrey wright's character yeah felix Leiter um, is a long running character from sean connery era bond he, oh, okay. he is a through he is a running like m and q and money penny yeah uh, felix slider is a 
a long running character played by many a different actor throughout the uh, generations. Mm. I mean, you can't go wrong with Jeffrey Wright either. I think he's great in this too. I think so, the one interesting addition in this was uh, Billy Magnuson. What an odd very... addition to this <laughs> to a Bond movie. Like, it's funny when the, I like, was credits... so happy when he showed up on screen. I, well, the, like, when oh, the opening man. credits were going, I was like, Billy Magnuson. I'm like, where's he going to be in this? I haven't seen him in any of the trailers. No, I didn't either until I saw <laughs> it. I'm like, because Game Night, underrated yeah. gem. Oh, per- I think it's a perfect movie. I know. You've, you've seen it. Oh, I love Game Night. I have it on Blu-ray. So good. Yeah. So good. Anyone that's seen it, you there's no way you don't love Game Night. I think it's just the perfect kind of comedy that just hits every time. And and, and pretty decent chase sequences, I have to say as well. Yeah. So, Tom, I have a question as a as a longtime Bond fan. Yes. Does seeing this for the first time? It is so weird because this is like you caught on the one Bond that has an actual arc. Yeah. Like so, you literally should watch Casino Royale to this to get like the beginning where he visits Vesper's um, mm-hmm. grave. Right. You'll get that, yeah. and then stuff with Blofeld and everything else. Yeah, especially from Spectre, it really reveals a lot. And yeah. his relationship with Madeline in Spectre is something I hated because it was so out of left field and not mm-hmm. very much developed. But I, I'll get in my thoughts on that when we get into uh, my part of it, do you now, besides going to the Craig stuff, do you want to go back in time to all the Bond stuff and start watching that? Going back to Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton. No one watches George Lazenby. That's fine. <laughs> Actually, if you skip Timothy Dalton too, it'd be fine. Just watch Timothy Dalton Hot Fuzz. That's all you need. To do. <laughs> yes. Uh, but literally, that's all you need to do in life. Uh, do you want to go back in time? Because it's a very, very, very different Bond. Yeah, um, I think I, I think I want to get through Daniel Craig first and see where it goes from there. Because hey, you're right, they are such different movies. Even when I was watching um, For Your Eyes Only, like I could tell these were just very different. They almost feel like how um, 80s slashers are made, where like you can really tell, like not that they're low budget, but like they are not carbon. I guess carbon copy is what you would say. Like they really follow that formula in each one, and they almost feel like they could be one offs in certain ways if you take out certain details, you know. They are essentially one-offs. All the ones before Craig are essentially one-offs because it is, they do follow the formula of the opening sequence. We set up the villain. We have Bond. You have Bond girls. You have Bond with M, Bond with Q, Bond with Moneypenny. Then you have the first Bond girl. She gets killed. That's not a spoiler. That's the formula. Then the main Bond girl, he eventually saves the day. And it, Outside of Spectre, which is just this nebulous, it's like a villain organization. organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, that eventually comes in and out. And Blofeld comes in and out. There's not much connective tissue to the series outside of it. This is James Bond. This is the formula, and here's some characters that are in everyone. They don't really tie into one another as the Daniel Craig arc does. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to give you a spoiler alert on that. No, it's I because I've always felt even when I've seen the bits and pieces, you can feel that. And I think it really equates to sort of how 80 slashers were made, where it's kind of like a stick to the formula. If it's the same movie again, kind of who cares? People will go see it, kind of thing. Um, and that's fine. It's just, you know, I mean it's different eras of filmmaking. I that's what I kind of like about this era of Bond can be a continuous story now that we can have little connecting bits here and there. I think it adds something 
makes it stand out more for sure compared to other generations of Bond. I think it's what makes this such an end of an era kind of thing and makes it so special. Um, I think the only thing lacking for me in this too was uh, uh, Safin, the villain. Mm-hmm. I like Rami Malek, but uh, I just didn't feel, I felt like he was just so secondary compared to the more personal arcs in the uh, in No Time to Die. I felt like the personal arcs really grabbed me in a way that uh, just maybe the more spy action-y type stuff kind of just didn't. Yeah. And then what, what about your, uh, what would you rate the film uh, out of one to 10 martinis? Well, as a first timer, I think yeah. I would just go with, uh, I think a simple eight out of 10. I had just a really good time. And uh, I think a true like cinematic type of event to go see. And, like, it is the end of an era. I think it's something special and something people should go see. It's 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 funny that you say a cinematic event because, like, I like the epitome of that for me is Skyfall. Yeah. Uh, and, like, you will, when you get to Skyfall, you're going to mm-hmm. just, like, lose your shit. Like, it's so fucking special. Because Casino Royale and Quantum Solace. So Casino Royale is, like, such a good, yes. like, such a good, like, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say origin story, but like such a good like reboot. It's like a perfect reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so well made. It's so fun. Um, I mean, the action is insane. It's not really fun. It's not like Mads Mikkelsen is a great. Mads Mikkelsen is awesome yeah. in it. So um, and then Quantum is terrible. It's not good. <laughs> Quantum is terrible, but there's like a multiple reasons why. And apparently, I've I've heard that if you watch them back to back it makes a lot more sense. But if you watch Quantum like two or three years after um, Casino, <laughs> like, you're, like, yeah. you're like, what the fuck is this movie about? Yeah, It's yeah. insane. And then Skyfall comes around and you're just like, it's a celebration of all things Bond while being like just a solid movie. Like you can give mm-hmm. someone Skyfall yeah. who like yourself who has never seen a Bond movie, but like this movie is fucking awesome. And the best, in my opinion, uh, the best Bond song of all time. That's the other mm. big thing. There's always the celebrity Bond song. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're not always. I mean, like in Dr. You know, Goldfinger and Dr. Mm-hmm. No, there weren't. But I mean, like Adele's Skyfall is an absolute classic Bond really good. song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you, right. get to, you get to Spectre and you're like, uh, <laughs> right? And, uh, but if you watch Spectre and then go into No Time, when you watch Spectre and now seeing No Time to Die the first time, it gives you so much background that you're like, oh, here's this fill in the blanks of a lot of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, it's really yeah. cool that way. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Bill, No well, Time to Die. I have a very long and storied history with James Bond. My dad actually bought the James Bond paperbacks when they first came out in the mm-hmm. 60s. And I had... Uh, Sadly, my mom gave them away. I wish I still had them. Um, but yeah, I have been a Bond fan since I was a kid. Uh, you know, the 30 days of 007 or whatever they were on TBS, those marathons. Um, and, you know, watching the Pierce Brosnan ones. But the Daniel Craig ones have been great. And, you know, before, you know, unfortunately, my dad didn't get to see out the Craig era uh, as he passed away in 2010. But he was a big fan of what they had done. Kind of the whole... it original thing with Craig was everyone's like, Oh, they've done the Jason Bourne thing with James Bond. But 
I feel like they've done a great thing here with giving us an emotional arc, an actual story that connects from movie to movie to movie to movie and giving us an emotional side to James Bond. I think Craig is like, it's hard for anyone to beat Sean Connery in my opinion, because he is James Bond. He was the, he was the first, he set the tempo, he set the bar, but the evolution of Bond where we lost the Bond girl, I think was great because it just got really silly. And when you get in now living in this era, it's just kind of antiquated and really just dumb. And just because the more interesting thing is not the cool. I mean, the cool locations are always the cool locations, but it's not about the sex and the violence. It's really about this journey of James Bond trying to find himself trying to uh, work through trauma and emotional baggage and trying not to inflict trauma and emotional baggage on people, which unfortunately he does throughout this. And what I loved about no time to die was I felt like it was a wonderful bow at the end of this arc because for Daniel Craig's character, because one, as a girl dad, I, you know what, I, I felt that I felt that ending where he where he put the little, you know, trust me, I've put a, a stuff a stuffed animal in my my belt before. It didn't look as cool as Daniel Craig, but I felt that moment and to see an iconic character die was an audacious move by the producers and writers and directors. And I love that Carrie Joji Fukunaga, who was the genius director behind the first season of True Detective was behind this and really gave this gravity to that moment because true detective really was about not just cool storytelling and Matthew McConaughey's batshit crazy performance. It was about emotional moments and he delivered, I thought what was a great emotional moment. I know Dan Cohen, our former film editor texted me, thought it was like a lifetime movie, but Dan, as always, you and I disagree. Um, I thought it was amazing. I did not, I was not, I thought the Rami Malik villain character was a bit hollow. I don't think that was as fleshed out as it could have been. Um, you know, nothing is really going to touch Javier Bardem and his villain in Skyfall because that character just hit on so many levels. He hit the, the, the villain notes every Bond villain needs to hit, but also hit on an emotional psychological level that a lot of Bond villains don't. Um, Rami Malek's character was fine. He gave a good performance, but it was just a fine character. It wasn't like it was. I wish Javier Bardem's character was the cause of the downfall of James Bond as opposed to Rami Malek. But, you know, we can't always get what we want. Uh, I thought the relationship between Madeline and Bond uh, was one of the weakest parts of Spectre because they made it because that was really supposed to be Daniel Craig's exit. And they made this huge thing where he was in love and this was the love of his life. But I'm like, Vesper really was that. So you haven't convinced me here. They convinced me. And I love the fact that they corrected that mistake. The action sequences were absolutely awesome. Um, It was also audacious to kill off Felix who's been around forever and has never died. I don't believe has ever died in the Bond series. I could be wrong, but Jeffrey Wright, if anyone's going to sell a dramatic death scene, it's Jeffrey Wright. And he's, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later with the fandom stuff. Um, I thought the uh, female 007 they brought in, I thought she was great. I love that we had this team up. I also love the fact that we had like one of the big parts was that it was a screw up by M. M has always kind of been, we saw this with the Judy Dench character in Skyfall where mistakes like maybe mistakes were made by her. 
But this was this was a mistake made by M. And Ray Fiennes has been amazing in the role as M. I, I love him, and I hope whomever they cast as the new Bond or 007, we'll talk about that soon, that he remains and Ben Wishaw remains and Naomi Harris remains because they're great. This, I think, was just such an excellent send-off. That opening is very chilling. I loved it. Uh, this is nine martini glasses out of 10 for me. This was an excellent, excellent, excellent James Bond movie, a, a great send off. I think we'll only get, I think like Skyfall will age wonderfully as opposed to some of the other uh, Daniel Craig bonds and some of the bonds in general. So I'm very excited to see where the uh, franchise goes from here. Al, what is your thoughts on no time to die? AKA plenty of time to die. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was good. I think because uh, I, I went to see Ryan, uh, a you know fellow pop writer, who was supposed favorite to, person on this podcast, who was supposed to be on this as well. Uh, someone who's a diehard Bond fan, has seen them all, um, and you know, kind of. I, I think he was the one who probably introduced me to the Craig, um, to, to Casino Royale in the first place. I uh, he was a little disappointed. I think he was just kind of like blown back by him dying in it um i thought i thought it was interesting i thought that i thought it was funny that the only way you could kill him was with like a bunch of like missiles um <laughs> just like the only way he could die um i i really loved um i'm not gonna butcher her name but the the girl from um uh, knives out um Anna 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 um i thought she was the best part i thought I'm like, oh, they probably brought Phoebe Waller-Bridge just to do this scene. <laughs> I do did, this. Yeah, no, I, I because it was the only a large part to do with this movie. It's just like the only humorous part of the movie, and yeah. I just thought, like, it's the only levity that you really get because it's a very like dour movie, um, you know. Besides that, and I would have loved to have seen more of her and like less of Rami Malek and I like Rami Malek it's just like his villain was interviewed I just, I did I'm a huge Mr. Robot fan I really do like the guy mm. um, I just thought his villain I just didn't know his motives after they any, weren't they weren't good they did they no one bad. knows his motives well he, I mean if, if it was motives was getting revenge on Spectre he does it within like the first like hour of the movie so it's like right. what's the other two hours for yes, yeah he's like well hours. now I just want to take over the world it's like um but why though why? yeah right. no he never answers it I know right. Well, he is just such a secondary part of like even having Blofeld back felt more impactful than anything that anything between him and Bond, you know? I yeah. the only reason that like the final moments between him and Bond are so like, oh my gosh, is because like anything with his daughter and Madeline. You know what I mean? It's always because of someone else. It has nothing to like they are such uh they're so disconnected in that way. Yeah, and wouldn't it have been more interesting if like they didn't reveal that um that Blofeld was going to come back in the, in the sequel, like, or didn't come, like, wouldn't, wasn't going to come back. And then we get to see that scene and then him accidentally killing him. It would have been like, Oh, really? Blofeld's the real villain. And then boom, like, I think showing him in the trailers kind of blew that opportunity. Yeah. It's not I like agree. I needed to sell this movie for us. We were going to see it regardless. Um, even though it was postponed 17 times, um, things, you know, things I loved about it. I thought the action, the action sequences were cool. I love that we get like bond, as John Wick towards the end, I thought that was kind of awesome. The, uh, the, the stairway, the it's stairway so, yeah. battle. It's so funny. Like he started as Jason Bourne ends as yeah. John Wick. John you Wick. Know, yeah. Shows yeah, you how exactly. long he's been around. Yeah. And then I, uh, yeah, I loved, um, the, the, just 
really the, all the female performances were like the things I love the most. And then, you know, I think Daniel Craig really, really put a lot of effort into this one. Whereas Inspector, you could be like, mm, I think he doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> this one, he's like, all right, this is my final one. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go all out. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sad to see him go, but um I'm ready for a new bond and we can talk about that immediately after this. Um, I'm going to give it seven out of 10 martinis. Uh, it might be closer to an eight, but you know, the, it's funny because like, it's such a weird, it's five films, right? Every other one. It's every other one. It's crazy. Every other and, one. and even this being the other one, it's still not the. It still doesn't. No, because you know, it's, no, it's it, the Return of the Jedi of the, of the the trilogy no, of the good films. It yeah, it's Casino Royale, great. Quantum sucks. Skyfall's oh. the best. Spectre sucks. No, it doesn't suck. It's just not very good. It's not great. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's, well, they, see it. They try. No, I just I'm, yeah, I'm helping true. you out. And then No Time to Die, I think ends well. And I can I just pick up what Ryan was saying. He didn't like how he died at the end. To me. When he sat there, I'm like this. When he stood there and he's like, I'm like with the bunny in his belt standing on the roof. I'm like, this is the only way he can allow his kid to go on because they'll always be looking. Someone will always because we've seen generations of Bond where it's always someone's coming after James Bond. A Bond girl is always dying. Someone he's with is dying. Uh, I can't ruin it for Tom Tom on people within his arc (laughs) who have died that he's cared about. And so because that's the ultimate way of being like, this is me being responsible. This is for me doing the right thing for somebody else to be able to live their lives. Because if they're with me, I am still like, I think there's a line somewhere that Rami Malek's character says about them being poisonous or just affecting other people. And this, this cycle of violence always continues. He, that cycle of violence ends with his death mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. perfect for that. And I still think Phoebe Waller-Bridge had a part in writing that part. Like, cause like there's such a emotional wallop that all the other bonds outside of some stuff in Skyfall really don't have in the Daniel Craig era. And none of them have that emotional wallop in any of the other bonds mm-hmm. going forward. They're all fun movies, but yeah. that's it. So, so I had to, I had to say that cause you know, I hate no, I, He's the worst. I, person ever. I agree. I mean, I even as someone, as someone who didn't like see any of the other bonds, I felt that too. Like seeing that big scene of all the explosives just rushing towards him, you feel that like it tugs at you. And it definitely, I think because this has such a personal feel to it, it really tells a personal story rather than just like a fun action spy story. I think it scales it, it elevates it to such a level where even if you don't fully connect with it, it still hits you somehow. Like it just has that, that pull. Yes. So Al, Let's talk about that future of Bond, baby. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. It's really going to be me and you and Tom being like, I don't know. But I, I guess we'll see what happens. I got a um, pick. Don't worry. All right. Oh, he's got it. Okay, okay. So <laughs> I guess my I just have really two questions for for this segment, right? So if we're going to talk future of Bond, the, the, the two things that are on people's minds are who is, who is it going to be and when is it going to be? So... Um, Bill, I'm going to start with when is it going to be for you? How long do you think until we have A, an announcement of a new Bond, and B, like we're in the theater watching a new Bond? 
So it's weird because I think it'll be this year, but I think the reason it's going to be, no, I'm sorry, not this year. I mean, 2022 is going to be the year we announced it. Sorry. (laughs) True detective again. Um, I think it'll be next year because I, because this movie was, was this supposed to come out in 2019? Just for, uh, no, sorry. 2020. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So it was, this has been in the can for a while. It's been done for a while. So they have time to think about who the next bond is going to be. My big question here, and supposedly the Brock Broccoli or Broccoli family, whatever you want to call it, Eon Productions has said like, we're not doing shows. We're not doing spinoffs, which sucks because I would love to see Ana de Armas or uh, sorry, I'm going to, I don't want to butcher the actress's name. So I wanted to pull up on my phone real quick. Uh, Lashana Lynch, like, Give us them. There goes my phone. I think I just broke it. Uh, give us them. I want them back. They're great. Yeah. I want more of them. If they get their own shows, sign me up. I'm there. And it's just going to be new, new, you know, a Bond universe. We're all talking about universes these days. Let's do it. Apparently, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I think we're going to get an announcement in 2022. My personal pick for the next James Bond is Henry Golding. I love Henry Golding. I've been beating this drum for quite some time. Of course, you don't know who Henry Golding is. Of course, he's one of the stars of Crazy Rich Asians, which is a wonderful movie. I love that movie. Um, Henry Golding would be great as the next James Bond. Um, I know everyone <laughs> I know everyone wants it to be Idris Elba. Listen. I'm not arguing that point either. Idris Elba, we all he he is an he is an international treasure because he is beloved in every continent and every country. Um, but for me, I'm going to go Henry Golding. 2022 next Bond will be 2023, late 2023. I want to say we're going to see a new Bond film. Um, and then um, unless it's you know, this depends, I guess, with with like COVID in the world. But I'm going to go 2023, maybe 2024 for a new Bond film. But Henry Golding is my pick. And here's what Daniel Craig said, and I agree with him. Get rid of the Bond girl trope. Just get rid of it. He doesn't have to be having sex all the time. We don't need that anymore. Throw it away. And listen, if it's Henry Golding and and um, Lashana in, like, they're a team, and it's like a 007 team up, let's go. Let's make this happen. It'll be great. Just bring Ben Wishaw and Naomi Harris back. I'm good. Tom. Bill, you and I could be complete twins on this completely. It's like you just read my mind right now. I'm are not even best kidding. friends right now? We are, really. We are. Um, I They definitely should look to do TV shows. I know that uh, if they've right. said that, then that's what it is. But you have to remember, James Bond is technically owned by Amazon now. Yes, so yes. there is a greater possibility of that. And I think Paloma is such a great place to start with that, especially with her story arc here being built as a rookie. You can really follow that arc from here. And maybe she takes that uh, those parts that she's seen from James kind of forward for herself. And I think that'd be interesting. And even just having more of 007s that aren't James Bond or that 00s that aren't James Bond. I think there's such a potential for that to be fleshed out with Amazon. And I'm sure... If Amazon tries hard enough, they will get what they want. Give us what we want. That's what it's the big point here. It's like Dave Batista. Yeah. I want to get that by me. But um <laughs> and then like I'm Henry Gold. I'm so I was so surprised to hear you say Henry Golding because I feel like no one ever mentions Henry Golding. And it's perfect. Been saying it for years. And it's perfect on this podcast. 
it's or, or in the pop break podcast world, I should say. I the way I've always viewed the Bond role is, sim- is similar to how I've always viewed um sort of superhero roles where they should go to people that really kind of it should be a career starter for them. It shouldn't be someone who's already made a name for themselves because like I know Henry Cavill is talking about wanting to be Bond. No, I'm not into it. He would uh, be I think he'd be fi- I think he'd be perfectly fine as James Bond. I mean, he doesn't man from uncle totally underrated. Go watch it. But it's such an unambitious pick. That's my feel of it. It's an unambitious, like, just not. Yeah, it's a safe pick. Same with like Richard Madden has also been a top name, but I also think it's unambitious. And he's in the MCU now. We don't need it. He doesn't need the role. Give it to Henry Golding, someone who has shown themselves to be a great actor, someone with great charisma in the roles they play. He just had an action bout in Snake Eyes. So, you know, he can do some action stuff. That's right. He wants to say, guys. By the yeah. way, I mean Daniel Craig. Look at that that pick. I mean, he was he had. If people haven't seen it, Road to Perdition, great movie. Go watch it. Uh, underrated classic there. Uh, but also, you know, kind of was like a bad guy in one of the Lara, the the Angelina Jolie Lara Croft movies. It was in Lara mm-hmm. Cake, another great movie. Um, yeah, he wasn't a known guy. None of no, no uh-huh. one really was a known. Like Roger Moore was the saint. So people yeah. kind of knew he was Timothy Dalton. People knew he was Pierce Brosnan was known, but it's never been like, it's not like they're casting someone who's an a list number one star to be. James. They're not casting Chris Pratt as Mario basically. <sighs> Man. Yeah. I felt the pain of that too, but I think that's the beauty that's of a James Bond role is that you can really build someone's career from there and let them really become James Bond rather than have their persona sort of bleed into what James Bond is. And I think Henry Golding is that perfect. He's the perfect actor for it. I mean, his name, Henry Golding, is, doesn't that sound like just such a Bond actor name? Yes. It's it does. Very, very it does. British. And he is British. So it's like, yeah, the accent already down. <laughs> um, I'll go quick with my pick just to be a little different than both of you. Mm. Um, Reggae John Page from Bridgerton. I don't know if that's exactly how you spell his name. But I had a friend I, just suggest him the other day. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's a good pick. I think yeah. immediately when Bridgerton like blew up that one weekend during quarantine, everyone was like, "Oh, this is Bond! Like this, this is the new Bond right here." Because it's like checks off like a million boxes. It's like, all right, not a white dude, great, um, incredibly stupid, good looking, perfect, um, uh, charming AF, boom, like. It's everything that you know people want to see in a bond, and I think the thing that really is important for the next one is younger, younger because like, you know, they need to they need to reach a new audience. I think I think they would get a a, a huge audience or, or a, at least a younger audience with uh, someone you know relatively younger. You look at the last three bonds, my God. They are pretty old. <laughs> um, you know, Craig was 108 doing during the making of this movie. Um, he wasn't. He remember he started this in what 2005. He did, but he wasn't young then. Yeah. To put it in perspective, you know who was up for Bond at that time, and now imagine him in this film. Someone who I love so so much, Clive Owen. Wow, it's like. Dude, he's like, <laughs> I think maybe older than Daniel Craig. Yeah. Yes, but he's like 50. Yeah. So I'm just Daniel saying. Daniel Craig's only 53. 
still I'm saying they need to just go younger because that way they can say like, all right, we're going to do, you know, this is going to be five movies. They're going to be coherent. They're going to have, you know, we are going to plan it out more. Like they can do those things. I don't think they will because I think the broccolis are set in ways, but we do keep forgetting. We haven't really mentioned it at all yet. They're owned by Amazon now. No, Tom. The, I, I got it. Okay. Tom mentioned it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Tom mentioned it that it's owned by Amazon now. because it, it, it makes sense. They're buying it not to be like, we own Bond. Woohoo. It's to, you know, do something with the property, just like Disney did with Marvel and Star Wars and everything else. So I want I want to see a younger actor take the role because they can they can kind of build a whole new world around him. Hopefully, keeping some of the the characters that have already been introduced, like you know, as you guys have all said, like give me spinoffs of everyone that has been in these movies, and I'm in. Okay, so, so Daniel Craig was roughly 37 years old when he started filming Bond, 2005. Wow. That's pretty old. If they, old. if the, if if the uh, Roger Jean Page. If he is selected as Bond next year, he'll be 32. So he's like five years younger. Like, I mean, so it's not like Daniel Craig was 50 when they started. It wasn't Roger Moore when they like Roger Moore was much older when they started. Roger Moore was in like his late 60s when they started doing it. Connery was in his 60s when he came back. So I don't know, man. It's a little Craig wasn't that old. I feel that's always been my thing with uh, when people say Idris Elba. I feel like he's too old to play he, Bond. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. He's the exception. Just... Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, those of us were playing by your rules. But I, <laughs> yes. Amazon, but Al, what do you think about Amazon saying, like, eh, we don't really want to do any Bond universe stuff? That like, wasn't Amazon. That was, what's it called? That was Broccoli. Oh, I'm sorry. Broccoli saying that Amazon's going to overrule that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course they are. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, hey, listen, Broccoli, here's, here's, an, ass t- here's an ass ton of money. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, so we want to do a Ben Wishaw like office comedy where yeah, it's, we want to do a we want to do a Q and Paddington uh, team up movie because I'm fucking first in line for that. <laughs> I mean, George, our former staff writer George Heffler might fight you on that one. Day. And by the oh. way, have you guys followed the Twitter follow the Twitter handle where it's the guy edits like Paddington into famous movie like movie scenes every day? Yes, yes, wonderful. Great. Yeah. Um, but enough about uh, British cinema. Um, let's go back into the dome. Not the Thunderdome, the Fandome. Uh, DC last weekend had their um, now annual Fandome event, which is basically their uh, virtual Comic Con, um, you know, online event. It's a free event for um, all to watch globally. And it's an opportunity for them to, you know, tease. Uh, upcoming movies, television shows, you know, they do it um, right before the CW shows start airing in, you know, uh, late October, early November. Um, You know, we got to see footage of, you know, uh, new seasons of The Flash and Stargirl, um, Superman and Lois, and then, uh, you know, the, the final season of Supergirl. But more importantly, we got some movies. We got some we got some, yes, we got some Black Adam. We got some Shazam, which we forgot to add to the list. Mm. Um, we got um, the new Flash movie. And then the biggest thing uh, to come out of the fandom, the new Batman trailer. And so, don't forget. Oh, and, and the Peacemaker series, too. Which I'm, oh, 
bro. Oh, I'm all about. I'm all about that as well. Well, um, I'm gonna let me refresh my beverage while you guys talk, and I'll be right. Yeah, back. yeah. We'll start. Um, you know, we'll start. Um, since Bill left anyway, the uh, one thing that we didn't that I didn't mention was um, some video games. So Tom, you're a gamer. I'm a gamer as well. Yes. Uh, we got to see footage from. You know, basically the only games that really matter, it's, you know, the Rocksteady uh, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, I believe it's called. Yeah. And then we got the offshoot of Rocksteady Warner Brothers Montreal. Is it still yep. Warner Brothers Montreal that does it? Yep. Um, Gotham Knights, which is, you know, a uh, kind of spiritual sequel to the Arkham Asylum games mm. um, that are phenomenal and some of the best games I've ever played in my life. Um, you know, what, what did you think of, you know, getting to see some, some more footage, some gameplay footage of, uh, of these two games? Um, Gotham Knights has been definitely a big, uh, I'm a huge Arkham fan too. Uh, and yeah. I, I love that this was, um, more centered around something off of Batman, although mm-hmm. he could come back with this whole court of owls nonsense. I'm sure there's a plan somewhere for Batman to return. Although I hope he doesn't. I, I really like the, I'd like the definitiveness of having, the uh the robins and uh batgirl sort of have to fend for themselves in this new gotham and kind of start their own journey in that way mm-hmm. um i the trailer i think the big reveal of it was maybe penguin i think that was like the big villain reveal because i think the only one we knew before this was mr freeze mm-hmm. um and the court of owls and the court of right and the court of owls um yeah. i was a little disappointed that there wasn't something more to it um just because I, the one thing I liked about Arkham City is always going to stand out to me just because of its, it's villain best. roster. It's, it's villain roster. I mean, it's, it's so good. It's something that made me disappointed with the Spider-Man game was just because I wanted more villains in it. Because Arkham City set the the standard for having a top tier mm-hmm. list of just villains that not only are known but unknown. And even yeah. just the and again, it's just made the Riddler stuff so fun. It's just learning about other smaller villains that are still in this universe. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I'm still waiting to feel that from Gotham Knights. I, I want to see more. I want them to go into the obscure villains. I mean, if we're going to, into a world where I assume there's no Joker, because I feel like we would know that by this point. If there's no Batman, I don't see why there would be a Joker. Yeah, um, for sure. They're so interconnected. Their stories have always been that way. I'm sure Catwoman is somewhere running around. And I think that'll be interesting to explore is seeing her sort of deal with um, not having Batman anymore. Maybe we see her revert more to a villainous role in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's it's exciting to see it. I still hope it hits the release date for next year, um, just because they still haven't shown a lot of it. They showed a lot of gameplay last year, not as much this year, mm-hmm. but um, I'm still I'm hopeful. Keeping my fingers crossed on it. Uh, Kill the Justice League, I was much more excited this time around for it. Last time, there wasn't a lot of it, so it was just hard to tell, and it's still hard to tell what this game is. I've heard... Yeah. Um, something along the lines of Marvel Avengers with the uh, games as a service type deal, which I hope to God it isn't that mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping for just a co-op single player experience, but no gameplay yet. And that's kind of, yeah, I just don't know where that is with that. I, I um, want to see it as like, um, you know, obviously it's rock steady, so it's going to be, you know, super well made. Yeah. But like oh, in yeah. terms of like what the gameplay is, I'm really hoping it's like, you know, what back from blood should be what left for yeah. dead was like, yeah. you know, you, you, you're, you're on, like, it really should be what we just saw in suicide squad, like right. the actual movie. Like, yeah. 
a team, a mission, you know, going from point A to point B and just yeah. taking out everyone in, in your wake. Like, that would be so much fun. I would love to play something like that. Is Polka Dot Man in the game? No. Oh, and that's sorry. what I wanted to, and that's what I wanted to add. Do you think there'll be other characters besides Harley, Boomerang, Deadshot, and King Shark? Yeah, I think, I think you're going to get just like, um, at least like three waves. Of, I mean, they're banking on this. I think you're going to get so much DLC to come from, mm-hmm. from this game. And I would say the same thing with Gotham Knights too. It's just because, you know, they're a lot of eggs are in, in these two baskets right now. Yeah. The fact, the fact that Red Hood is in the game for Gotham Knights as yeah. not like a DLC thing. I'm just so excited. He's like one of my favorite oh, yeah. superheroes of all time. And, you know, I just can't like imagine what the, the yeah. Suicide Squad DLC is going to be insane i think they're going to just have so much fun because they're going to see that you know they're going to see the response from the movie and be like oh mm-hmm. well we're going to have to put rat catcher in there we're going to have to put yeah. polka dot man in there and peacemaker right, right? like they're going to play yeah. let's get cena to do a voice like it just makes sense like you, sure. you see what they're doing in like with Warzone. Yeah. um you know they've already done a rambo skin a john mcclain skin the the uh actual cartoon like um actual animated uh comic version of judge dread yeah. like they do all these really cool fun skins and the voices and everything like that so i think yeah i think it's just free money for them and people are going to just stay connected into the game mm. but you don't think but you don't think there will be like other characters to play as in the game outside of dlc like you won't get a new character along the way like i'm hoping maybe you get like a killer maybe. frost or like a cheetah type that would be on the Suicide Squad. Just to add some more gameplay variety, just because we're seeing a lot of gunfighters. Mm-hmm. I mean, or like the projectile-based type of uh, yeah. characters. I mean, you have a gun shooter. A Harley, I'm sure, has a gun. If not, she has just a baseball bat. Uh, Boomerang's going to be throwing stuff. Or sword. Or javelin. Maybe he's. Maybe she's going to have uh, javelin's javelin. That would be cool. I bet she uh, does. I bet she totally does. DLC, then, baby. <laughs> And then you assume that King Shark's gonna be like a melee class, yeah. Um, yeah. Unless he somehow brings some type of gun or yeah, something. maybe maybe they can you know work in an enchantress or something there for like that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I just I think I think with the the I think they're gonna focus on just making a good game, not a good game. Yeah, they're they're rock steady. I think they're gonna focus on making like an amazing game. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, how can we incorporate this and yeah. that? I just I, I don't know. I can't see them. I can't see them not having Peacemaker. I can't see them not having Peacemaker as a deal. Later. I think it's later. Yeah, it's like later. I, I see his deal. Especially with the show. Like, mm-hmm. it'd be, like you said, Al, it's like, that's found money right there. Like, it's just like, all right, cool. You know, we got to, you know, Peacemaker's coming out in January. When's this game set for release? I don't think it's going to come out till 2023. I think we're far yeah. off. We're far off from that one. 2022 well, is Gotham Knights, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, let's move into the final little section of this podcast and the real reason that people went to the DC fandom is to see some early footage of some upcoming films from the DC EU. Um, first off, we got uh, the first scene and some behind the scenes footage of Black Adam. Um, you know, the, this is The Rock uh, finally becoming a legit superhero. He's been wanting to play this role forever. And he's been teasing this role for what seems like forever, basically threatening to kick Shazam's ass for the last like four or five years now at this point. Um, What did you guys think of just like that early footage that we got to see? I'll start with uh, Tom. 
Um, I we didn't get a whole lot of it, but it was not. enough to make me excited at yeah. least. It interested for more for sure. I mean, I love Shazam. I loved mm-hmm. uh, Zachary Levi. Seemed to be such an interesting uh, kind of foil to see The Rock go against Zachary Levi at Shazam. But mm-hmm. I think um, what gets me more excited is seeing uh, the other heroes that we know are in it with Dr. Fate, Hawkman, yes. The Atom. Uh, yes. Super excited to see uh, Aldous Hodge as uh, Hawkman. Uh, I really want to see that interpretation. I think because it'll lead to Hawk Girl eventually coming in, which makes me more excited because. Uh, she was great in the Justice League animated series, and I really want to see her be brought to live action. And I think this could be the the stepping stone for that. But overall, just excited. That's all. Yeah, I think I think Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate is like such great casting, like insanely good casting, perfect casting. Yeah. Um, while we're on the subject, what did you think of uh, you know getting a little glimpse of uh, what what we can expect from Fury of the Gods? Um, I think just it's tempered for now. I think, uh, again, it's one of those things where this is so it's, I don't even know when this Shazam movie is supposed to come out, but it feels so far off to where like the little snippets we get now just get me excited. That's all. It's just a nice to know it exists. It's coming and that it's being worked on. I felt like it was just a nice update as a whole. So we get Shazam in 2023. Okay. And we get Black Adam in 2022. One in 2022. Uh, Black Adam. No, I say when. Like, do they oh, have I, a... No clue. I'm going to guess on Okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was interesting, um, the the casting of not one, but two super amazing uh, female actresses, both Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. Mm. Uh, interesting picks. Uh, Helen Mirren could be in anything. Uh, case in yeah. point, the Fast and Furious franchise. She fucking crushes it. Yeah. Um, but Bill, what did you think? Um, have you seen Shazam? I feel like you did. Maybe you have not. Okay. Um, Shazam, kind of up there. In, like it's like the no, DC. It's yeah. the DC version of Ant Man. Meaning you oh, probably yeah. should watch which, it, which I haven't seen either. So correct. Here we go. So, but but uh, just seeing the footage, what did you think of uh, both Black Adam and uh, Shazam Two? I don't know what to think of Black Adam. I've heard about Black Adam for, for, I feel like for the last five years, I've heard about The Rock doing Black Adam. And I saw the opening and I'm like, that is about as, I just say, I love The Rock. You know, my love for Jungle Cruise knows no bounds. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, I felt that was as generic as generic can get. And I still don't know what the hell this movie is about. And I don't yeah. know if that really sold me on wanting to see it, to be honest with you. Give me, I wanted, that would have been better served with a trailer as opposed to here's the opening scene where this character, which is obviously CGI is being shot with CGI bullets and then defeats like, you know, faceless mercenaries. It's just like, okay. I thought the Shazam trailer from Comic-Con from years ago, from what, gosh, what, three, four years ago. God, it could be shorter than that. I don't even know. Was so much better. We didn't get like a ton from that, but it was funny. It was charming. It was engaging, and it left me wanting more. And it, like, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it's still on my list of movies I want to watch. This looks fun. This just seemed as generic as possibly could be. Yeah, I can. I could see that. Um, 
Well, let's go into something that you were excited about, the Peacemaker uh, series. Yeah, uh, with um, someone who cannot be seen, Mr. John Cena. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, obviously, I think all three of us have seen Suicide Squad. He was um, great in it. And then we knew way in advance of that movie coming out that we were getting a a whole spinoff. So I guess we kind of could tell pretty early on that he was going to be, uh, you know, a fan favorite. Um, what did you guys think of the, the trailer for Peacemaker? Um, <laughs> Sorry, the Knicks are That's about to lose right now. So I had to, I had to pull it up my phone. Story of my life. Uh, I thought it was. Oh, Knicks, Knicks. As a whole. They tied it. They tied it up. It's overtime. <laughs> Unbelievable. Al's sports gambling addiction keeps going. Oh, I'm just Nick. I'm a Knicks fan, and I love being disappointed. <laughs> That's how I feel as a Jets fan, so don't worry. There you go. <laughs> uh, as a whole, I thought it was um, – it looked interesting. I don't know if it necessarily grabbed me yet. I, I like Cena a lot in this. And I think this could be another just breakout moment for him, like Peacemaker was in the Suicide Squad. Um, and I think knowing James Gunn is a part of this makes it a little more – gives it a little more confidence behind it. And I think um, it just looks kind of more grounded than I would expect of like a big superhero show, but maybe that's a good thing. And maybe it's him evoking kind of what uh, super was, which is like a very, I don't want to call it old at this point, but like, yeah. you know, it, it's one of his like early superhero movies. It's his first, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it, maybe it's a return to that form yeah. for him. So maybe there is something special there for it, but We'll get there with it, I think. Once I see more of it, then I'll it's be a, more excited. It's his second superhero movie. Oh, okay. The specials was his first. Oh, okay. Yes, which was also like poking fun at superheroes <laughs> in general. Um, Bill, Peacemaker? Listen, we got Steve Agee reprising his role in this series. And if you watch New Girl... He was outside Dave. He was great. Uh, so I'm excited for just seeing that character he had in Suicide Squad fleshed out. Um, and we're now essentially have built this series as not only as, hey, it's just Peacemaker being Peacemaker, but he's got this team of just like dysfunctional weirdos with him, which James Gunn, you know, knows how to write, produce and direct. Uh, it looks like just such a fun series going into January. So you're going to be able to get, um, you know, self downstairs. Um, so you'll be, yeah, Sophie Bodkin on the podcast again. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to be able to get this group of weirdos with the Peacemaker and the RC Peacemaker's dad, Robert Patrick, of course, T2000, which is great, and an eagle hugging him. I think it's just going to be such a fun show. And I think HBO has lack. I love you. Good night. Um, that's what being a dad's all about. Uh, just being like, you know, just I think HBO has lacked like a fun, violent series for a long time. It's always very serious and very dour if it's like a drama or like very dark. So, this is going to be it's going to be dark, but it's also going to be light and weird and fun. And I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's going to be a great entry to HBO Max. I think it's going to be a big uh subscription model for a uh, subscription show for HBO Max, too. Yes. Totally agree. Uh, I, I'm gonna bring this on. I'm gonna bring this one up 
we can just get like instant reactions. We get to do it all at the same time. But um, the little brief uh, teaser for the Flash sequel, which is probably going to be Flashpoint, um, you know, I think everyone is both, you know, hesitant to get excited because we don't know how we were supposed to feel about Ezra Miller because he seems like a douche. Um, but it, we are getting both Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in the film and we get a kind of a glimpse of, of you know, at least the, uh, the shadow uh, or uh, the back of <laughs> the back of Michael Keaton in the Batsuit's head um, and almost a, a Batmobile reveal. So um, I think I can say for everyone that we're pretty excited for this. Yeah. Pretty there's a lot to talk about with it in terms of little hints and nods to him, yeah. like going around to different universes. But I mean, like, yeah, as a whole, it's a flash thing is always going to be tough because the stories sometimes just get kind of lost in this parallel universe trekking mm-hmm. adventure. So I'm just here for Keaton. Uh, like a guy who runs fast has never been like something that really I care about, you know, no matter what iteration of the flash you want to throw at me. Michael Keaton returning to Batman, that's cool, and that's what's gonna put a lot of asses in seats. Um, they gotta have a better trailer than that, though. That was just that was and if it wasn't for Michael Keaton, that would have been meh central. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last but not least, the Batman, Matt Reeves' Batman with Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright. Colin Farrell, uh, <laughs> Paul Dano. Uh, this is this is the, the 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 trailer we've been waiting for. The Colin Farrell trailer. Um, one, we'll just go real quick because this has been beaten to death um, online and everything else. But just favorite moment from the trailer, um, Bill. I don't have a favorite moment from the trailer. The whole favorite. trailer. The, 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 like, the whole trailer. The whole trailer was great. <laughs> Like I was, listen, I wasn't expecting it. I've been very busy trying to do way too many things in life. And this trailer came out of nowhere for me. So I guess like I love, I guess if we're going to talk about just a specific moment, when they pull away Paul Dan, what we assume is Paul Dano's Riddler character way in a, a diner as a Jersey mm-hmm. person. I love a good diner scene. Uh, mm-hmm. We get the question mark in the coffee. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom, um, I'm going with everything with Catwoman. I it's Catwoman has never been a character I've been super, not I'm not gonna say super fond of, but not like super attached to. I love Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. I haven't even seen the movie yet, but everything in the trailer that I've seen of her just feels perfect. She has the look, and like it's it, Reeves talked about um, this being sort of not a Batman origin, but a villain's origin, and you definitely get that vibe in this trailer and. Uh, it, it looks like it's really building towards something bigger, which is exciting. You didn't like Michelle Pfeiffer as the as Catwoman. I, I do. It's just that in a modern age, I think going from Anne Hathaway, uh, I just wanted someone to kind of evoke, like just that modern feel of Catwoman. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer is iconic in that role. I mean, just I, oh, absolutely. There's no denying it, and she has a lot to. Again, and this is all just from the trailer. We'll know when we see the movie where Zoe Kravitz is at as Catwoman, but we're at a good start. Very promising start. 
Yeah. Now, what was your favorite moment from the trailer? Um, it was a quick moment, but the uh, the scene where Batman is going through like the hallway, it's like through a barrage of bullets and yes. just keeps going. And I'm like, yeah. yes, like Bad. that's that's Batman. Like, get me, yeah. give me more of that. Um, super I also, I also like the fact we got a little glimpse of Jeffrey Wright as Gordon because we mm-hmm. know we're not only getting him in this movie, we're getting him in an HBO Max series. Yes. Very true. Um, but yeah, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for uh, for this episode. Uh, we'll go into quick plugs. Um, you can find me at Al Manorino on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also see some of my photos from the summer on thepopbreak.com. Um, Mr. Bodkin. I actually go to Tom first. I have more to play. Tom. All right. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at tmorring56 or on Twitter at, at underscore more reviews. Uh, I'll be posting new stuff, new video game reviews all over the pop break soon and some movie stuff as well. As for me, if you must follow me on Twitter, I'm at Bodkin Writes, W R I T E S, which is mostly just bullshit about wrestling. How, how much I hate my full time employment and retweets and stuff from thepopbreak.com celebrating 12 years online. My God, I can't believe it. We are on Twitter at thepopbreak, on Instagram at thepopbreak, Facebook, long story, don't want to get into it. Check out all our podcasts on Apple, Google, Anchor, and Spotify. And those podcast hubs would be The Breakcast, Pop Break TV, and the winner still is the Way Too Early Oscar podcast. So for sports gambler Al Manorino, for Tom Moore, my name is Bill Bodkin. Thank you for joining us for the 70, I believe the 78th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. Mm-hmm.